welcome back to the Tracks to Podcast. I just thought I'd wanted to start this by saying something. Rory, what, what's the good news you, you, you We're going to do it unedited, so let's just pretend that didn't happen. What's the good news yep. you've just had about what you're having for tea tonight? Because I feel like it deserves to be on a podcast. Dinner, sorry. Um, I'm making fajitas and that's all that needs to be said. Fajitas are an elite food. Is it? Is it? It's Mexican, isn't it? Fajitas. Is it is right? indeed. It is indeed. The greatest food on the planet, Mexican, or maybe Italian. Actually, I don't know. Uh, yeah, scrap that. Actually, Italian's better. Pizza's nicer. But anyway, onto the podcast. I feel like that's been a terrible start to the podcast, and I I do apologise. I'm not used to doing this thing. I don't know why I even tried doing the intro. So, go on. You can you can carry on talking for a bit. Uh, you've got a storming job there I hope you don't knock yourself down um, yeah obviously we're, we're doing these shakeout pods unedited because it's just just easier to do really because then you just edit two sides of it and then then you upload onto onto, uh, onto our platform so boom done I've just made more copious amounts of coffee uh, so I'm can now actually waffle properly uh topics today we've got sam running festival 5ks and 10ks we've been a bit neglected with races so that that was nice to see you've got obviously the half marathon world record um and not done in a pair of vapor flies which we're quite happy to see yeah always happy to see in fact no actually because it's all i own so now i want some adidas flats um, and I also want some hokers and I also want some, every single super shoe under every single, sh- I can't speak today. Every single super shoe under the sun. Try and say that. That's a bit of a tongue twister. Um, every single super shoe under the sun. All right. I just can't speak then. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I, f- I feel kind of bad because obviously I've got vapor flies and now a shoe was a hundred pound cheaper has outperformed it. I-, I say outperformed the runners outperformed night runners, but those same runners haven't been able to outperform the night runners uh in the last few years without the shoe so you know it's one of them that's true that's very that's a good way to look at it actually um until this kind of shoe i guess there's still been adidas athletes who have sort of compared to nike athletes but um like we saw at the london marathon even even uh heel striking in a pair of next percents at an alarming rate won that race uh that was actually i'm just going to put it out there that was the most harrowing finishing straight of a race i've ever watched and if anyone has any better ones please send it but was it katata who won that one yeah katata won yeah his heel striking sprint form was absolutely horrendous and it hurt to watch i can think of two more harrowing uh home straights than that one is you at the nationals uh if anyone wants to find which that. one the one where you fell over down the home straight and decided to take someone with you. Um, I got rugby tackled, but we carry on. Yeah. And then the second one is the biggest heel striking I've ever seen, um, obviously, because he's been out for it. Joshua Lay's uh, European 1,500-meter final, last 100 meters. That is probably the most harrowing, saddest thing I've ever seen in a race. In fact, second saddest thing I've ever seen in a race behind uh, what happened to George Russell yesterday in the Grand Prix. But this is a running podcast, so... You oh, know? No, actually, we're switching to an F1 podcast now, it's, and it's going to be an F1 account on Instagram too. Uh, we've been bought up by an F1 media company, uh, so everything now is going to be purely focused on George Russell's face. Uh, so he's 
potentially the best looking person in F1 at the moment. And yeah, I'd probably, I'd probably marry the bloke. He's going to be rich from all that F1 money. I feel like they're all rich anyway. So yeah, it'd be good. It'd be a good deal that actually. I yeah. Might, I might try and beat you to it. Um, yeah. If anyone watches F1, let us know what you thought of that because I was quite sad by what happened. But, you know, it's part of the sport, as they say. And I feel like they've got quite a lot of similarities between F1 and running in the mm. fact that the thing that gets spoken about the most is actually the thing that the runners are sort of wearing and the thing what the drivers are driving in rather than the actual driver. So, yeah, yeah. Just, some, just some shoe and car politics for you there. Always connecting yeah. things. Always, got Always connecting. Always connecting. So, I guess we can start talking about now. Uh, now that the waffling introduction is uh, is just about there, some decent 5Ks will run now. I'm going to throw it out there, okay? Most impressive 5K from that night was Cole Hocker. I will have to agree with you, to be fair. 90, because the thing is, right, you forget that Drew Hunter is actually only a year older than Coop. That is true. And Gravolger. So, like... It's it's kind of it's a weird one because you you it's like comparing a freshman and a uh, no like a senior and a I've forgotten which one comes out before senior sophomore. junior oh uh, yeah junior junior junior, sophomore, junior junior yeah, so junior, yeah. it's like comparing a, a junior and a and a uh, senior so it's kind of like if you're talking NCAA you wouldn't really have much between Drew and Coop anyway but Cole Hocker is 19 years of age he is a freshman he ran 744 in a time trial and then what 1332 or was it 1329 30? 32 and he kind of took quite a lot of it as well didn't he like he was at the front and he he's almost beat Matthew Centro. Centro Centro Cole if you're listening to this why did you tie up that last 10 meters I'm sure he's had many sleepless nights since the race because he could have beat the Olympic champion as long as he just True. held his form together for 15, 10 more meters. But in, in a post-race interview, like he wanted thirteen thirty, which is which is which is completely like understandable given that he'd run seven forty four. It makes sense to be hoping for that. I just think seeing a nineteen-year-old drop those sort of times is like pretty crazy. Yeah, it, it makes me feel a bit better by the fact that he looks about six years older than me. So that sort of makes me feel better about myself. Uh, so maybe when I'm 27, I can run those times. Last thing, um, like running, running is quite a lot to do with maturity levels as well, I guess. Uh, so it's one of those things. But then I guess also talking about some of the other young guns in the race, uh, Jack Meyer probably really, really went under, under the radar on that. The dude ran 13.44. He's a first year under 23 from Milton Keynes. Now that, now makes him the most successful person in history to come out of Milton Keynes because uh, no no one no one else has really made it out of Milton Keynes. So so respect to Jack Meyer. Quick little congratulations. Quick little well done, Jack. Milton Keynes uh, is a strange place as well. If anyone knows what that is, scary place. Yeah, it's like running around a, a million roundabouts or um, what do they what do they even get called in the US? Not roundabouts. Um, rotary, rotary. Really. I don't That's know. Disgusting. I don't know actually. It's a, if I, if someone from the US calls me out on that, I am sorry, and I'll fight you when I get out there um, in January. So, five k and ten k. Who is your standout performer? Well, I think we've already said it with Cole Hocker. Obviously, um, mm. I think Shelby Houlihan and was it Elise Cranny or just you? 
the uh, 10k. I think on the women's side, obviously the Bauman people were the main. Yeah, obviously, obvious though. I, I like I said it in on the on the story post. It was like it's not shocking seeing Shelby Houlihan run the Olympic standards, really. Um, yeah. It, but it is shocking seeing. I think Cooper Tier was probably because I expected Lewis Grijalva to win. Yeah. Um because he looks so smooth. But I think Cooper Tier to run sub thirteen twenty. I know he's a very talented person, but I don't know. I just yeah, I think that's crazy that he actually did that. And I it's kind of again a standout. Cole Hocker has to be probably the standout of the day. Um but also Nico Young, thirteen forty four. Yeah. Didn't kind of shock me, but at the same time, you've got to remember that he was in high school last year. Um, yeah, it, it's kind of it's a weird one with Nico Young because I feel like our vision on him like warped because of all the stuff that he did in high school. So when I saw thirteen forty four, like I kind of I was like, you've got to remember the dude is still young. Like that is incredibly impressive. I don't know, maybe it's just because he's so successful, like he just fits that that mold now. So you sort of you expect it of him, kind of thing. Yeah, and then I feel like Charlie Atkin as well, obviously from the UK. Lincoln Wellington, I believe. So that's north of England, isn't it? Um, yeah. Is it? Um, what did he run? 19? 13, 19? Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So we had a Brit, Sam Atkin. He ran 13, 18. And then... Did I say Sam Atkin or did I say different name? You said Charlie, but we can move on. Oh, that. God. Okay. <laughs> so Sam Atkin ran, what, 13, 18, and then 27, 26, 27, 28? Something, Something like that the day after. I mean, that has got to be... I'm not sure if any Brit ever has run a 5K and a 10K that quick, 24 hours apart. No, no. Probably because no one's ever thought of even doing it. Um, I feel like a 10K after a 5K PB is kind of unheard of. And then to start pacemaking the 10K and then deciding to carry on and then running what you ran, it's a bit ridiculous, to be honest, if you ask me. But, you know, it takes a great athlete and that's obviously what he is so something's going right in his training and it's promising for gb athletics depending on what he chooses to do with the olympics i guess chooses to do both now actually yeah i mean he yeah he's definitely in for a shout i i'd say certainly over 10 i reckon he's got the best shout because he's going to be the most sort of like competitive over 10 like if he can run the 10 over the five then well, yeah, yeah. I guess he's got that five k pace. If, if he can run a five k one night, a ten k the next night, it shows his recovery time. Either way, he's going to be quite good in the in the Olympics. So that's but that's a big one. Being able to recover like that is very impressive in twenty four hours. So big, big up, uh, big up Sam for that. Um, well, I need I need his recovery techniques. I might might drop him a DM after this and find it out. Yeah, must must be a cracking pair of normal techs. Um, so. <laughs> Um, and then also 10K, want to shout out the, the Nazalie Hoka women. Uh, three out of four made the Olympic standard, kind of breaking that stereotype that the group sort of based around road running uh, and that they're all road runners. You know, their talents span over more than the road. So shout out those guys uh, for getting the job done. Um, and also big shout out to Eric Jenkins as well. That's a great performance. Coming away with the win against Cesarac is yeah it's a great performance like what 27 the negative split to 27 20 i think yeah it's like that and i think uh, it would only be fair to shout out one of the greatest paces in history who potentially 
helped Eric Jenkins get to where he is today, which is when Eric Jenkins came over to Wigan a, a short while ago, uh, my housemate Jordan Rowe paced him in the first K of a 5K. In a, I believe they went through a K in 2.30. Um, Jordan's expertise pacing there. And he was just absolutely flying. Jordan was gunning it. The arms were driving. It was around a wet and windy course in Wigan. Eric was on his shoulder. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think really Jordan arguably set him up to, to run the way he is running now. Yeah, that, that pacemaking, it's, it's what you ask for. Like Joshua Trepter guy, forget Ramsden. Just ask for uh, Rory's uh, flat, flatmate, housemate, housemate, sorry. Because you know. that's the one, there are two levels. Um, so, yeah, and then I guess we can also, I mean, we can still delve deeper into the 5K. I mean, there were some crazy results in there. As we said, Nico, Cole Hocker. Um, I mean, I feel like Sam Atkins really like deserves a lot of credit. So I don't think any Brits have ever done what he's I'm not sure many people have done what he's done, like that 5 to 10K thing. But, um, but yeah, and I also saw some people running in like big stack height shoes. I'm not I saw this. Like one brand or another brand. So, can you still wear them? Well, I don't know because I've heard different things. But you're trying to tell me that On Cloud had an under 25 millimeter shoe. What they were racing, in. unless it's, I don't know because some of them definitely weren't. But I think the rules are different depending on what kind of it, race it is. Well, it's strange because so for. Well, I, I saw like a few, like a few next percents, et cetera, et cetera, um, as well. And it's like, well, is it only illegal to run like records in them? Like, let's say someone broke the, the 10K world record last night and they were wearing a pair of shoes that weren't sanctioned for the track. Does that mean that they get, it gets taken away? But if they were a second behind the world record, does it stand? I'm going to say like no. Because there's going to be people in that race that have valid times. And they were wearing technically illegal shoes. Well, yeah, if, they, if they've run like qualifying times. Uh, I feel like there's obviously the rules out there. So if someone does actually have the rules, just send us a DM. And, you know, because I feel like we're being a bit daft here because it's probably obvious. I, f I feel like it depends on what competition. Um, yeah. Championship races, it's obviously banned. I don't know why, because why would you want to wear a high stack shoe in a championship race when it's on the track? Because you won't have a kick. Um I don't know. I've heard different rules and obviously the right rules are out there. But yeah, if anyone does know, let us know in the comments. Uh, but I definitely saw a few shoes, some unreleased shoes as well, like on, I think, was it Joe Klecko? Was he wearing some unreleased flash shoes? Uh, not flash shoes, on cloud shoes. It's sorry, on it's because an on cloud sure shoe is called on cloud flash. I think they're the ones that you had. Nah, they're the bigger, the, I think they're the Boom Echo, I, I, I think. Um, I've got the flash. I'm trying to get... I don't know why I was trying to find it to show you, because, you know... Oh, wait, I found it. <sighs> yeah, but it's an interesting shoot to talk about, because I feel like probably not a lot of people have spoken about it, really. And we were going to start going into what's the best shoe for each for each uh, distance. So it looks it looks relatively stiff. It's, it's got a... It's got a... Um, carbon board? It's carbon board? Yeah, well, it, it, board? They, they marketed it as carbon-infused. Yeah, a carbon a carbon infused board. Um, it's very aggressive, very stiff. Doesn't have any give. It's completely different to running in an X percent. To be honest, completely different. Um, like this, there's no there's no like bounce in the sponge whatsoever. Yeah. 
is it is it a lot more sort of like responsive in terms of like foot foot strike on the floor like if you were using a track if you were on a track like because you've got less contact time with the ground given that it's a smaller midsole so even just from appearance you can say well there's going to be less contact time with the floor whether that's a state of you know really just like a ridiculously small amount of time guessing athletics it all adds up because the amount of time you have when you hit the floor with a big stack height shoe and then coming back up compared to a I don't know, let's say like a Nike LT, um, like yeah. a Nike LT4, and then you just kind of like floor up. So if you're going to compare it to a shoe like that. The best way I could describe it would be a streak with a carbon plate in them. I feel like that's yeah. probably the best way. So feels exactly like a streak underfoot, but it's got that extra push where you don't really get in a streak because streaks are kind of flat, really. Um, yeah. They're great, they're a great training shoe, but they're, they're quite flat. Um but so yeah, the cloud on cloud flash, it's 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 quite a it doesn't give you much back in the sense of like bounciness, but it's an aggressive shoe. Uh, I think it's priced at like 160 pounds though. So that's like two hundred dollars, is it? Um, which is cheap, which is more expensive than Sakonian Dolphin Pro and also more expensive than the Adios shoe, which we're gonna get onto in a second when we talk about the half marathon, but yeah, it's a great shoe. I like trying out different shoes. Uh, I feel like I've got a few more shoes on the way as well, which I can talk about when, we, when I get them. And I'm also looking forward to the January when the uh, the next Hoka drop is. Is that right? January, February? Yeah, so, so we'll have some, some, new, some new shoes coming out in Jan. Uh, some stuff you know, still kept under wraps. There is quite a lot on YouTube about the Carbon X2. Uh, so, I mean, even though it is under wraps, the Carbon X2 has been plastered all over the US on YouTube and stuff. So it's literally like not really under wraps. So yeah, Carbon X2 is coming out. Uh, very excited for that one to drop. And then there's going to be some other shoes coming out soon after as well. Uh, also heard some exciting stuff coming next summer. Some really strange combinations that, uh, that hopefully we can talk about soon, which, uh, which, which I know you'll definitely be shocked at because uh, it's like it's just two things you put in a shoe and you're like why but also that could work that sort of that sort of area but i guess we can talk about um event specific shoes like what if, if we go from like five ten half marathon marathon and then even let's even say like a 50 on road um, yeah, like a 50 on road and then even like, because obviously we saw Jim Walsley uh, do like the, was it the 50K in a pair of like Carbon Xs? So you can still kind of talk about those shoes um, even for those sort of distances. I guess kicking off, I want to throw a Hoka into the mix that probably hasn't had as much credit as potentially it deserves. Uh, even if we were going to talk about like, um, a mile. Uh, I think Hoka has one of the most minimalist uh, carbon shoes out there at the moment in terms of like smallest midsole, but the most responsive. Um, and that at the moment, I would say, get it over uh, Evo Rocket. I've, I actually meant to ask you about the shoe because I, I, I was going to get it, but I didn't have a clue what it was. I feel like that's one thing Hoka need to get on lock a bit better is on the website, just distinguish your products a bit more. Uh, that's, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go talk yeah. about the Evo Rocket. I get that. Um, but yeah, so like, I don't know if you can see through here, but you can kind of see like the, the kind of the carbon plate going right the way through the midsole. 
yeah 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 so i mean in terms of like stack height and everything it's it's a pretty minimal issue uh, a lot of the home athletes have worn this in like a a mile road race 5k i know that like rory Linkletter and those guys when they're sort of doing faster reps uh quicker reps especially on the track this is what they're wearing um just because it is uh light aggressive smaller than the other ones uh potentially it's not it hasn't got the stack out of the rocket x um so for sort of those those shorter short stuff so i think for, for mile 5k i would say these and the rocket x from a hoka perspective obviously we can talk about other shoes i'm not worried about talking about other shoes as well uh, but it's interesting looking at different shoe stack heights um, and how they do play out because contact time with the floor comes into play a surprising amount because although some shoes are very good at returning energy, you still want to be knackered at the end of a race. And if, if you can't really like get your feet driving, there's no point in having a lot of energy at the end of the race if you can't expel it. Well, yeah, I feel like any, anything with a big stack over a, ma- over a mile you don't really want because yeah. I, feel, I feel like you literally can't get moving. Uh, I guess, as well as the, that shoe then, I guess the, the, the one we were speaking about, the OnCloud, would be a great mile shoe. Um, the Vaporfly, flying at 4%, I'd probably choose to wear in a mile over the um, next percent from a Nike's perspective. Other than that, I don't really know enough about any road flats for that short distance. I feel like an LT is probably a shout. Yeah. I feel like when you go to a carbon plate and some good foam, why would you ever go back to an LT? Like, there's such a difference between an LT and a plated shoe. Um, I'm trying to look at my shoe collection and trying to see what else. But yeah, I'd, I'd probably say, I guess Hoka really only have the only carbon plated mile shoe then, really. Potentially. Well, there's also... New Balance. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to find the photo on Jake Whiteman's Instagram of when he won the New York Fifth Ave Mile. Just found it there. And is it the is it the fuel cell that has? It's like it's like a fuel. It's that sort of. I don't know if you can see it there, it's the fuel cell New Balance uh, that has carbon plate, and it was it was targeted at like mile uh, on the road sort of sort of situation. There's a few, there's a few f- fuel cells, isn't there? I always forget the like the abbreviations at the end. There's like TCRC. I don't know. But New Balance have some underrated shoes, to be fair. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I reckon in terms of like Mile, that's their kind of your, your best shouts um, or track shoes. Uh, and then 5K gets interesting because the market for 5K super shoes is ridiculous. I'd just say it's the same market for the marathon super shoe, really, which is kind of crazy. Um, yeah. I think it goes without saying... Hoka, Rocket X, Nike, Vaporfly X percent, and the Adidas, Adios, Adizero Pro are probably the top, the top shoes you can get. I'd say. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, I, I've been looking at like some lab reports from the Saucony Endorphin Pro, and it is really interesting to see some of the results coming out because, like, in terms of kind of like oxygen usage and a lot of different kind of efficiency rates it's performing better than any other super shoe. It is strange that I might need to try it out. <laughs> yeah. Like it, cause the thing is, right. Nike were very much in your face in terms of like marketing, right? Like they, they, they put the label of a 4% on a shoe. And then the next, then obviously the next shoe in that line is the next percent, which implies more than 4%. And that's, that's like a huge claim to throw out there. And as soon as you say it in a shoe, it does this. P- 
people are going to buy it. Sockney never said like anything about that really. They just said like this is our super shoe and they just released it. Yeah. Uh, so, limitedly released it as well, very limitedly. Well, that's the thing. Like Nike could afford to just say we're going to do this, this, and this, and then put like loads of shoes out there for people to buy. Uh, so it's very interesting. Uh, obviously, the Hoka Rocket X. I feel like that there needs to be some more kind of work in the lab with that, so that people can start seeing some results. But I mean, I think three out of the top seven in the women's US marathon trials uh, were wearing the Rocket X in the US marathon trials. Just gone. Uh, and the sort of it's annoying because the shoe's been released around a time where you can't really get loads of races in. So when it becomes a bit more prominent on the roads, then I can imagine the figures in terms of sales will keep going up and up and up, and people will start to see that it is uh, a real contender. The shoe, and of course at, at the at the price point, I think it's similar to the Adidas, like ish. So che- a lot cheaper than the next percent then, mm. <laughs> which which yeah. seems to be ridiculously priced now when you look at all the other super shoes. Um, but right, let's get let's get on to the, the, the main the juicy part of the podcast, mm. which again connects to the shoes. The half yep. marathon. Fifty seven thirty two for a half marathon. Four people under fifty eight minutes in the men's half marathon. What? There's there's something in the water. Well, I don't think there's something in the war. I think there's something in something, though. Well, Tim Hutchins made a really good... I I love Tim Hutchins, the commentator, because he's not afraid to say what he's thinking and what everyone's thinking. He put a tweet on, and he was like, right, I've woken up this morning, and I've seen four people under the time of 58 minutes. It's it's not... And he he said, it's not wrong to be suspect. Yeah. Um, And we are uh, an account that loves running right like that's what the, the the account is and that's what that's what trackster is um and it's great to see people running these times and pushing the sport forward but sometimes it is tough to look at it without a little bit of a little bit of you know so the the thing i have a problem with jacob kiplimo world champion over yeah. half marathon quite comfortably world champion actually ronit skipruto 10k world record hold on the road they've got an established performance and you'd think maybe they can get their half marathon world record which by the way is ran by someone who's an amazing amazing runner in jeffrey caramore carol carol's yeah. can't say his second name he's ran a 1308 last 5k before in a half marathon but the the thing i have problems with is and again i'm not i'm not gonna say it's definitely one thing or definitely the other thing because in a day you can improve whatever the guy who won i I'm, i saw somewhere he has, he's got a pb of, for 10k of 28 45 mm. it was his half marathon debut and he went through 5k 10k in 27 16 that's the pace he ran <laughs> I, that I, someone has to fact check me but i'm pretty sure that was the tweet i saw it wouldn't and surprise you've just, me you've just run a 57 yeah these names come out of the woodwork. They do. They come out of absolutely nowhere. It happens. It, it happens a lot, and it's sort of. It's tough when you love the sport, and you see something that you'd love to believe, but you just can't quite. But also, they're not like. It's not an investable name. It's tough when a name comes out of nowhere, runs a time, and then you don't see them again. You can't attach to that name. 
which is why people who like consistently run sub 60 or sub 61 and are on TV all the time, you can resonate with those names. But when yeah. you see one person come out, run a world record, and then you never see them again. And it's mm. like, well, where were you at the world half marathon? Like, why yeah. did you not come out and, and win it? Where were you? Like, what were you, were you waiting for this race? Like, it, uh, it doesn't really make sense. Julian Wanda's running well again. He's, he was in the 59 minutes again. He's moved coaches as well. So that's, that's good. It's always nice to see European up there. Um, Cause obviously he's a young European as well. So it's not often you see them over the half distance. Obviously Jake Smith's the exception, but yeah. Yeah. I just, I, yeah. And also moving on to the, the women's race, some, a name we all know who ended up winning was Genzebi the Barber. I mean, she's obviously one of the greatest of all time athletes ever, but it was great to see her win on the debut, even though Gidai wasn't there because apparently where she lives in Ethiopia currently has a civil war. So she couldn't Shit. leave. Like, oh and that's something you don't really think about. Like these, these East Africans literally live a completely different life. Like the yeah, world record we, holder couldn't leave her village because it's in a civil war. That's crazy. And like, obviously prayers go out to, to everyone out there and, you know, hopefully everyone's keeping safe. But like you say, it, it's sort of how the other half lives, isn't it? Like you forget how convenient our lives are for our athletics, et cetera, et cetera. And how just generally in life that things are easier and it's uh, and running for a lot of people is making it out. It is making it out. Like it was for, um, for the, the world half marathon record that that's changed his life forever. Yeah. That's, that's guaranteed now. He's guaranteed himself. Um, uh, generations of wealth as well, like family wealth, like generations. That's what they yeah. do. Like that's why you see so many like Kenyans and Ethiopians specifically, like come out of nowhere, do one big race, and then never see them again. It's because they've literally supported their family for the next two hundred years off one race's prize money. Like, that's, yeah, exactly. that's literally what happens. So that's, that's crazy. Right. a lot of it's a lot of it's just that pure hunger that no one else can have, really. Like it's kind of makes me realize sometimes that like, I've got it way too easy in terms of like running. Like, I'm still hungry, but I, I can tell you for a fact, I'm probably not as hungry as, as a lot of guys who, you know, obviously don't have it as easy because for me, it's not like a way out. It's just something I enjoy doing. Same as yeah. you. Yeah. Also there's the fact that like, I think obviously East Africans have probably three main advantages than other runners. One's genetics tend to have longer legs um smaller bodies obviously longer stride length and lighter and also really good uh, calf like levers and stuff and then yeah. secondly their liver altitude so they're naturally born you know yeah. being able to handle oxygen better and thirdly their lifestyle is so simplistic and healthy like everything yeah. they eat is so natural there's no cholesterol there's nothing so as long as they get a balanced diet in which again is hard for quite a lot of people in who's obviously in a third world country but when you combine all those three factors it's it's obvious why they're so much better than everyone else like, yeah and it, it's why like why why else would julian wonders want to be out there because that's the best lifestyle if you're going to commit your life to running if you're committing yeah. everything to running that's the best place to be 100 percent. yeah um or flagstaff with Hoka's team 
Rory? Yeah, exactly. Um, that's the second best place to be apart from I-10 Kenya at Northern Arizona Elite. I'm very much looking forward to my trip out there next month. However, did just find out my passport, my US passport runs out on the 11th of February. Uh, so it's kind of panic stations at the moment. Firstly, get a new passport or get an emergency passport for me to get out there. So I've had a real number on myself there, Alfie. Uh, go to my parents the other day, like, oh, is my US passport at home? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking, is that, is that due for renewal sometime soon? And they looked at it and they're like, oh my God, 11th of February. I come back on the 9th of February, but you have to have, right, explain this to me, Alfie. You have to have six months on your expiry date to travel, but the expiry date, so the expiry date technically means six months before the actual expiry date. So what's it for? For that? Exactly. This is similar to what happened. Joe and I got selected to, when I got selected to run for England for the first time, you know, being an international runner and everything. There you go. Um, my passport ran out and I had to go to, I had to, I had to, go to Liverpool of all places, uh, two hours on the train to get there six hours in the city center getting getting my passport done just so i could travel because it expired on the 10th and i was going on the 15th and you see that's better i have to go to london in the next few weeks next couple of weeks around christmas just to go to the u.s embassy embassy. yeah Yeah, to go to the u.s embassy and go hi yeah i am rory leonard yes i would like a new passport uh thank you very much and then get like a four-hour train back to newcastle or North Yorkshire. I'm moving. We'll be somewhere. North Yorkshire. That's hilarious. Also, sorry, just quickly forgot. Nico Young's brother, Lex, Lex Young, just ran a 14.27, 5K. How, how old? I'm pretty sure he's a sophomore in high school. Wow. Big news. Didn't know that. That could be huge. Let me. It's, it's a state record for... Uh, it's a state record for um, that age. And obviously in California, kind of, I'm not sure what the national record is, but I just want to look it up now. So please fill this time while I look up his age. Yeah. So by filling this time, uh, I can tell you about, um, oh God, Alfie, I'm having an absolute brain freeze here. Uh, gonna, I, I can't fill the time off and you put me under pressure. Um, all right, better, better. Everyone has to look it up yourself, find out, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, next up on the agenda, the podcast agenda. As you can tell, we ring, we wing these. Um, so yeah, it's it's pretty tricky to speak about. Does anyone watch The Mandalorian? I just I just have to throw that out there. Do you watch The Mandalorian? No, is that the spin-off from Star Wars? Yes, it's the Star Wars sequel slash prequel because I think it's like in between different events. I'm a, I'm a huge Star Wars, Marvel, Harry Potter, uh, DC sort of everything geek. So if anyone watches The Mandalorian, let us know what you think again. I don't know why. I'd, I'd, we're just waffling now. Speaking of that, speaking of that, this is relevant. Charles Hicks, Charles Hicks came up on my YouTube like featured page, like suggested the other day, with a video with half a million views. Yeah, Charles Hicks, the Stanford D1 runner thing. Yeah, like... I was watching it and there were like girls commenting underneath going like, oh, now I want to go to like Stanford and oh my God, this boy's like perfect. So Charles, right, has got running going for him. He's got a YouTube video with half a million views. Loads of girls saying how good looking he is on this YouTube channel. I mean, 
and he's he's been in the race with Jakob Mingabritsen and he's been next to him for the majority of the race. And then he also beat him because he won first team and Jakob got second team. So, Charles, oh, give and someone else a chance. He was in the Team Britson episode today, what I've just watched. From Euros? Yes, Charles was in it. So, I think Charles Hicks is actually the best person on the planet. Actually, wait. Did, where, where's the... Is there a video from Euros two years ago on the Britson documentary? Yeah, there will be. You'll you'll be on it. You'll be on it. I didn't. Um, I I'd never thought about that. I might. Because GB are always next to Norway, aren't they? Why Why is that? A B C D E F G H I J. Oh, I don't know. It doesn't make that much. So at World Cross, we were also quite close to Jakob, but we were like so. There was GB, then Kenya, then Uganda, and then Jakob. That's so then strange. Like, I was going to guess that. I was going to guess there was four countries next to each other. I don't know why. That is very strange. But yeah, like, I found a photo the other day, and like. The Ugandans like literally were like in they they basically broke into like the GB bit and then they made like an arrow shape like the Kenyans and the Ugandans. I don't know what this was all about. I think it was just that they weren't actually like, fighting each other. And Jakob was literally just like basically just one hand pushing everyone because he's a big dude and he literally just went through right in the middle of everyone late as usual and then popped finished twelfth. He Not did pop. That's the definition of popping. Would he win now? That's the question. No. No. Finish. No. They did. Yeah, I'm sorry, but like, in cross, in cross, you just like that top ten. Him coming twelfth was ridiculous. I think he'd come like fifth now, to be honest. Yeah. At under twenties, I guess he's not under twenty anymore, so he wouldn't come fifth. But it's it was just like. Just even seeing him come 12th was just, like, impressive. I mean, and then Matt Willis, 24th, which actually doesn't sound that far behind. Like, it doesn't well, sound that far behind. If, if you think when you have six Ugandans, six Kenyans, and six Ethiopians. Yeah. And, and like, Wait, six Moroccans. And six Eritreans. Like, Eritrea were running unbelievably there. And then there was, like, I think there was, like, three uh, Japanese uh, guys in between, like, 22nd and 15th. Yeah, uh, and then a few Aussies were like patterned in there and whatever. But like, yeah, it was. I feel, yeah. I feel like the the GB running culture is so different to everywhere else at the minute. Like, mileage is a stigma, and working hard is also like a st- is stigma. The right word. Like, yeah, you you basically get looked down upon if you train hard. Like it's ridiculous. In the UK, we are not producing the five k and ten k athletes that they are in the US and like Australia. Jackson Sharp is another one. Jack Meyer around 1344. Jackson Sharp around 1344. They are the same age as me. And I like I would not be looking to run sub-1350 until like next summer. And next summer they'll be looking to run sub-1340. Yeah. Like, and that's just because of their training ethos and how it yeah. changes. The transition of the culture, like the running culture, I guess you could call it, is like ridiculous. I'm intrigued when I go out to Flagstaff just to see what things are like. Because uh, to be honest, I, I'm in the mentality now that like you just got to to be the best. You have to train like the best, so you have to do everything that you can to become that. And you can't sort of like skip around the edges. There's no shortcuts in running, really. Talent is talent and genetics is a temporary shortcut that doesn't last forever. Well, yeah. But speaking of talent and genetics, just quickly again, I'll, I'll back to the team Inga Britson episode. Jakob's younger brother, I think he's five or six, 
ran a mm. 36 second 200 in training. Oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> so that's five so in the Britsons. What you're saying is, if I make an under-23 team when he's like 10 and he joins the under-23, he's going to win that, is what, is what we're saying. Because Jakob, because this kid's just going to skip that completely, isn't he? He's just going to skip under-20s, skip under-15s, he's just going to win the senior race when he's like 12. Yeah, or he'll do what Jakob did, maybe even a year earlier. So 14 to 19, win the under-20 crush, European crash countries. That's a crazy... Jakob won that four years in a row when he was 50. Harrowing. Actually, and it's like, he was beating huge Cripper. names. He was beating Cripper. Like. Alex G, Mohamed Mohamed. Um, in fairness, Yi fell. Yi yeah, fell. But. Yeah, Yi probably would have won, to be fair, which I guess kind of ruins the story of Jakob's four in a row, though. So thank you, Alex Yi, for falling over. That would have been such a sick race. That would have been such a sick race between Yi and Jakob if Yi, if Yi uh, hadn't been kicked down by one person and then, like, kneed back down by another Irishman. Uh yeah. Irishman, Irish, never race next to an Irish person. Yeah, fair. Or, or a Belgian, both of them. Yeah, that's that's a story for another podcast. I feel like we could do a cross country podcast soon. Um, oh my god, that's a shout! The cross country pod. Yeah, I'm down for that. Well, since, I guess that's pretty much racing. everything covered for the shakeout pod today. I feel like we might have actually gone over our normal shakeout pod time frame. Definitely, absolutely, yeah. I feel like we've just waffled for a long time as well, but you know, that's part of the beauty of the ShakeOut podcast. I'm just going to try and end this by again showing my talents of listening because again, Team Inga Britson doesn't have uh, English subtitles at the minute. So um, I'm trying to look up what Thanks for Watching is in Norwegian because I've deleted it. Um, yeah, so just I'm sure you enjoy listening to me waffle for 10 more seconds while I find what this is. How's everyone's day been? Let us know by giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Um, I can't find it. Uh, so yeah, thanks for watching in Norwegian. Thank you very much. Thank you. Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon, and good night, and good That's day. Stuff. <laughs>